Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Bella Engelbach. And here's a bit about Bella. She is the lead consultant at Lean for Humans Incorporated. She blends lean thinking and creativity, helping organizations and individuals achieve innovative results in science-based environments through coaching, consulting, and strategic planning. Before opening her own company in 2018, Bella was a process excellence leader at J&J, focusing on bringing continuous improvement and lean thinking to the pharmaceutical and medical device R&D, which is research and development sectors. A creative problem-solving CPS facilitator, she was a member of the board of directors of the Lean Product and Process Development Exchange for six years. She is a certified professional coach and a Kata Girl Geek, the author of Creatively Lean, How to Get Out of Your Own Way and Drive Innovation Through Your Organization. Bella also hosts the podcast, The Edges of Lean, where she and her guests explore the human and creative side of lean thinking. And today we will spend time talking about using the scientific method for non-scientists. And you'll find out what Bella actually means about that. So without further ado, please welcome Bella Engelbach to GEMS Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. That was that was uh, it was lovely to hear about yourself. So, what do I mean by non-scientists using the scientific method? And you you heard uh, Genesis say these beautiful things about lean thinking, and that has nothing to do with weight loss. And if you looked at me, you'd know that that was true. But what I'm talking about is, is that there's a method for solving problems and for learning new things that scientists have been using for hundreds of years. And um, it's available to everybody to use. But I'll, I think a lot of us kind of walk away from science when we're in school because we think science is hard or we have a science teacher who doesn't inspire us. And so we don't really learn this problem solving method very well. But the, the, the thing I want to tell everybody is this, is you were actually born to be a scientist. So if you have ever been a small child, and I'm pretty sure everybody has been a small child, or if you know small children, if you have small children in your family, in your neighborhood, you will observe children doing science every day. So what do they do? They run experiments. So what does it mean to run an experiment? An experiment means that you are going to do something to see what happens. And then you've got to learn from the result. So basically, that's all there is to the scientific method. And when we talk about lean thinking, which is a really fancy way of saying, let's use the scientific method to solve problems in business. You know, So everybody would learn to solve problems thinking like a scientist. Um, that's all lean thinking is. 
Thank so you. Does that, make, does that make sense to you? Yes, it definitely makes sense. And for those of you who may have slept in science class or whatnot, I'm going to have a Bella break down what exactly is the scientific method so you have the context and you have the foundation to follow us on this journey for this segment because one of our missions is not only to just educate you on various subjects but it's also to inspire you and motivate you to think creatively whenever it comes to what you are doing in your business or outside of your business so Bella walk us through the scientific method and then we're going to learn how to pair that in the business aspect aspect. Great. Thank, great question. Thank you. So what is the scientific method? The scientific method starts with a hypothesis. A hypothesis is this really big word, and it sounds like, you know, it means something very fancy. All hypothesis is, is actually a guess about how something works. It's just a guess, right? So you're going to make a guess about how something works. So what a scientist would do is they might look at, say, a certain um, uh, bacteria and make a guess that a particular drug might do something to that bacteria. So that's a, that's a hypothesis. They might have reasons for the hypothesis. They may have they probably do have some reasons for that guess, you know, an educated guess. Now, they could go and write a paper and say. My hypothesis is that this particular drug will affect this particular bacteria. And everyone would look at that paper and say, that's really interesting. Sounds awesome. But, you know, does it work? So what do they have to do? They actually have to test the hypothesis. Yeah. So, so I can see you saying, yeah, yeah. If, if you're watching the video, you can see she's going, yeah, you got to test it. You got to test the hypothesis. So that's running an experiment. Now, when you test a hypothesis, you don't want to, to, to test it in such a way that you can't understand the results. So you want to you have an experiment that allows you to understand the results. So that means usually you only change one thing at a time. So you might start out with your bacterial culture and just a little bit of the drug. And then maybe that works, maybe it doesn't work. Now you would do it again with the same culture and more of the drug and see what happens. Now, here's the really cool thing for all of us, especially those of us in business, is that it doesn't matter if the experiment succeeds or fails. What, what matters? What's the thing that really matters? What matters is that you learn from the experiment, do something with that knowledge to inform the next experiment. So that is, that is really the scientific method. In a nutshell, you're going to make a guess about how something works, what, what's going to happen. You're going to run an experiment, hopefully not too big of an experiment, uh, with one or two what we call variables changed. And then you're going to see what happens, compare it with what you thought was going to happen. And that would help you to design another experiment and update your guess, update, update your hypothesis. Absolutely. So as you're going through your educated guess, then you're going through the testing phase. And then you also go through, you know, your variable phase where you're in introducing different variables to test, then um, some people um, 
I even remember this from science class. Once you're putting in different variables, you're writing down, okay, when I use this variable, this is the result I got. When Mm -hmm. I use this other variable, this is the other result I got. And the same thing is similar in business, whether you're testing a new product for innovation, or if you're working in um, research and development, the R&D lab, or maybe you're in um, chemicals and manufacturing, like my background's oil and gas and, and and energy, and I spent a stent, a stent working in the chemical plant for 11 months doing raw material for polypropylene. So you have to look at different grades and how is that grade wheel being optimized? How long are you running the campaign and et cetera? And when you're using those variables, it's also a way so you could keep track for your KPIs, which are key performance indicators. So can you... Um, does that help um, segue into the business piece, Bella? In a sense? Yeah, ex- exactly. So uh, you talk about a great business application for science in a science-based business. And I, and I work with science-based businesses and people who work in science-based businesses. Um, and so one of the things that you probably, that, that you talked about that's really important is you write down the results, right? And eventually, as you write down those results, you're going to create perhaps some visualizations, some graphs, some tables, and you're going to have, you're going to know know a lot about a particular situation because you have all that data and you've looked at pictures of it and you start to understand this is what really is happening here right so for for if you if you're doing something like a stability test and this is you know kind of science geeky for the people who who don't even like this kind of stuff but for, you do a stability test once you've tested something and you've seen that it stays stable for 6 months You don't have to do a six-month stability test again unless your conditions change. Maybe you want to store it under a much higher temperature or, you know, something like that. But so writing the stuff down, which is knowledge management, that's just, you know, knowledge management is this big fancy word for write stuff down and share the information. So if Genesis has done that, has done that test, if she's written down the results and it's available to somebody, then somebody else doesn't have to do that work. So the other thing we talk about in lean thinking is reducing waste. It's a huge waste to do work that somebody's already done because you don't know where the information is. So one of the very important things in business is to and it's this is really hard, especially in a small business, is to make sure that as you're learning things, you're actually documenting them and that you start to share them with other people you're working with. So that's, you know, so that's, so, but we're talking about science problems. And what I wanted to talk about um, was, well, what about the non-science problems? So the cool thing is that you can actually use the same scientific method for non-science problems. So you already talked about for product development, right? Um, you got, you might, product testing is, is actually a scientific process. You have a hypothesis that a, um, a customer is going to like this feature of a new product. Well, how are you going to find that out? You know, one of the biggest wastes in the entire world is when somebody puts, you know, puts a lot of effort into putting a product onto the market doing all the marketing, hiring people to sell it, you know, finding places to sell it and nobody wants to buy it, right? That's huge. That's a huge waste, that, you know, and lean people would say, you don't want that waste. So uh, product testing is very important, but I want to talk about something else. And that is you can even do, this is going to sound a little weird. You can even do these types of science experiments in a non-science um environment in business 
with the way you behave. So, oh, this is a good one. With you mentioned with the way you behave. So you could use the scientific method in a non-science ram and look at behaviors. Yeah, and here's why. <laughs> because when the way that we behave in our business, whether it's the way we behave with our colleagues, with our manager, with our employees, with our clients, that has impact on people, right? So as we learn to become the kind of people who are more and more able to have positive impact in the world, the way that we learn that actually is by trying and seeing, does this work? And sometimes it might be, does this work with this individual person? Right. So if I have a colleague that I have a hard time getting along with, I have a hard uh, time understanding what where they're coming from. There are lots of I could there are lots of different actions I could take or reactions I could have to that person. But what if I looked at this like a scientific experiment and said, all right, I have a hypothesis that this person and I are always kind of in each other's face about something because we don't share any values with each other. You know, our, our, our values are completely different. Well, that's a hypothesis, right? I actually don't know. So I want to ask myself, okay, as a scientist, how might I find out what this person's values are and, and, and do they align with mine? Well, now I can try an experiment. I can run an experiment and say, well, maybe I should sit down for coffee with this person and ask them what's really important to them. Now I'm going to find out, right, what's really important to them. And then I will be able to refine my hypothesis. Well, and I might and I might find out, I probably will find out that we actually do share some values. The things that we're bumping up are places where perhaps are the actions that we choose to take around those values are different. I mean, who knows? But whenever we're saying this person's like this, this is the way they behave, it's almost always a hypothesis, right? Some people would say an assumption, but it's a hypothesis until you actually start to investigate without being creepy, right? So Yeah, because I definitely, when you were talking, I said, well, I would call it an assumption versus a hypothesis because I'm assuming something about this individual before I actually take the time to deep dive with them, go beyond the surface level. And then I think once you go beyond the surface level, then I could probably come up with a general hypothesis that may test my assumption. Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, and I love what you said there. So a lot of times we think something's true, but we're only making an assumption about it. Right. Well, what if we said, well, what would make this into a hypothesis? What if I, if I step out of my reactive mode and become, you know, put on my white coat, be a scientist and treat this scientifically, where's the hypothesis here? Let's make a hypothesis. Right. And then let's test it. And then let's test it. So almost anything you do in business you can look at as being either here's something I know how to do. That's my knowledge that I've, uh, you know, that I've put together and my conditions haven't changed. So I'm pretty sure my knowledge is going to hold up for me or it's something I'm going to have to experiment about. So in business, the act of experimentation can become, should become something that is um, a normal thing for you to do. It, It shouldn't be something you do rarely. Yeah, and that's how innovative businesses stay innovative. So, yeah, but, and when, so go ahead. 
Question really quick, Bella. So whenever you think about how um, innovative business stay innovative and you think about your scientific method and how you help those businesses, can you talk about a challenge that you have faced while helping those businesses and how has it helped you overall um, in your work that you're doing today? So I'll talk about it. I'll go back to science-based business. Um, so I'll talk about a drug development team. So this is a this is a, a team of people who are working to bring a new drug to the market. And one of the challenges of doing that is that you get, as you do in any other projects, you get expectations about around dates about when things are going to be done. Um, and so there's a tendency to go into that kind of work and just say, well, I'm going to it, it, imagine that it's all based on steps that you know, right? We've, we've developed this kind of drug before, and therefore we're just going to follow all of these steps. But in fact, you haven't actually developed this drug before. So you have to start by understanding that your belief that this drug will actually work in this patient population that you think you're going to use it in. That's a hypothesis. It's not a fact. It's a hypothesis. And it's so hard to, um, it's, it's so actually so easy to, to forget that and, and think that you're just going to follow steps. And this actually would, would apply for any, um, for, I think for almost any project, right? So your assumption is, and, and uh, you know, your assumption is that we're just going to follow the steps and we're going to end up being able to launch this product on a certain day, probably, you know, a few years from now, the way drug development goes. If you think about it that way, you're almost positively setting yourself up for failure because you're not expecting for there to be learning in the process. And don't forget, these are scientists who are doing this. So the 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 work with a team like that is all about, all right, we need to understand what we don't know before we start. So let's do a really in-depth exercise about asking what are all the things we don't know and making sure that we can find out those answers as early as possible so we can get to that more um, waterfall type of project planning, you know, the one step after another type of project planning. So my work with the team is definitely about helping people to move away from being sure clearly identify their assumptions and their questions and stating them in front of each other. And sometimes in a team, you find that people don't want to say the things they don't know or say that the things that they think might be an assumption in front of their peers. So that's about getting comfortable saying everybody has something they don't know, something they're curious about. Um, and it's, you know, so that's about building the team camaraderie. So start with the team becoming more comfortable with each other. Then let's go through an exercise. Let's identify all the stuff that we collectively don't know. Some of those, I might not know it, but somebody else on the team might know it. So that's going to be answered quickly. Other ones are going to indicate real experiments we have to do so that we can move forward with this project because you don't want to learn about the need to do those experiments at the very end of the project. So um, does that make sense? Yeah, um, that definitely makes sense. And so if I could just rephrase it. So whenever you are taking this approach, it's like you first understand the team, 
what are their core competencies? Then once you understand the team, then you go through the testing phase. And then after the testing phase, then you could actually go through the phase where you're looking at that product development. Did I get that right? Yes, and the key is understand that you're gonna to have to do, you're going to have to do some testing that you might not have thought of, right? Because if it's, if it's truly an innovative product, there will be things that nobody knows that you need to sort out before you can go to market. So the tendency of the team is to think, well, I just need to do experiment A, experiment B, and experiment C, because those are the ones we always do. Where you run into trouble is where you needed to do experiment D and nobody brought it up because they were afraid to say it in front of everybody else. So it's about really digging out what we call the critical questions. What are the really critical questions that have to be answered before this particular uh, product can go on the market? Once we figure those out and we've got work going to address those critical questions, build that knowledge, then we can eventually move towards a much more normal stepwise uh, process. But um, it's really surprisingly easy even for scientists to forget that they have to do science. I know that sounds strange, but, um, you know, uh, and think, so think about that in, in, in any other business. When you start out with something, it would probably only take you a couple of hours to list out all the things that you don't know about the, the work and about, um, you know, what, you, what needs to happen. Um, and that couple of hours is really well worth your time. Yeah. Figure, out, figure out where you need to do your experimentation. I totally agree there because as you're figuring it out, it's also helping you become more confident in that area because you're giving yourself grace um, to try out different um, strategies and methods that you wouldn't have ordinarily tried. Because as you mentioned, whenever you think about innovation, it's something new that has not been done yeah. before. So you definitely have to be patient. You have to be consistent. You have to learn to write down things and you have to also give yourself grace knowing that you may make a mistake and that's okay because it's the first time you're going into this area. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that word, the word grace is so beautiful there um, because I think a lot of us come out of whatever edu education we've had with the idea that we always have to be an A student, right? You got to be an A student. You got you always got to do your best. But when you get out into the business world and into real life, you're not going to be the best at everything. There's always going to be something more you have to learn. Always something else more to experiment with. And so, just be an A student at experimenting. Right? I love you know you know write down your answer, think about it, and build on that knowledge. Um, don't you don't don't have to be an A student with knowing every single thing on the planet. So, because who could do that? No, that's what, we have, that's what we have the internet for. Yeah. And I think the only people that could probably do that is the robots who they uh, program. And even then, sometimes the robot programming does have mal um, malware or they malfunction. So that's not even, you know, a guarantee. Well, they're programmed by humans, right? So, yes. <laughs> or, or even if they use artificial intelligence, they're programmed by humans with, you know, with unfortunate biases. So, so we don't, we, you know, um, you know, this is something that I think is actually very important. I'm glad you brought it up. I, you know, I think humans are always going to be important, 
um, there's going to be there a lot of things that robots, machines, computers can do for us because they're too hard for us or too dangerous for us. But the kind of creativity that it takes even to make a joke um, is something that is uniquely human. Um, and uh, I think I think humans are always going to be needed um, for you know a whole host of skills that are not yet or may never be in artificial intelligence. And so, um, Bella, as we think about the line of work that you're in, what are some tips and tricks that you would like people to walk away with um, learning about your line of work? Because there are so many myths um, that people have. Those are the assumptions that they have not tested with the hypothesis. And then there are the facts. And I definitely want to um, give you the chance to elaborate there because it is going to educate them more on the subject matter. So I think the hardest thing, well, there's two hard things about doing lean. And the first I already mentioned, which is that half the people in the world think it's about diets, which it's not. All right, I mean, it could be, but it's not. Um, the other thing is that people think that lean is about cost reduction. And I do not believe that lean is about cost reduction. So if you're working in a company and somebody says we're going to implement lean and it means everyone's going to get laid off, that a real good lean implementation shouldn't result in that. What it should result is, is reducing waste in the organization, which should free people up to create more capacity in the organization to do things like bring more new products to market. Um, you know, to be able to uh, to take time to get educated, to be able to figure out how to how to run processes more smoothly. You can't fix something in your organization if you're running so fast. You can never stop and take a look for it. Look at it. So, and the key behind that is that in a really good lean impl implementation, people are being trained to see problems, you know, to solve the problems, and to keep the knowledge from solving those problems so other people don't have to have to solve those problems a second time. It's not about tools. It's about thinking. It's about everybody becoming essentially a scientist who's, you know, sees problems, makes hypotheses about how to solve them, solves the problems, writes down the answers somewhere so that somebody else can use it. So, um, you know, that's what I want to say about lean. If somebody asks me about lean, it's never, it should, it should never be less employees are needed. It should be, we're going to have more time, more capacity, more products, um, and, and possibly more profit. But that's uh, I like your approach there because a lot of people do think that lean is a way to just trim down the headcount or, you know, like the myth about dieting or mm -hmm. just getting, um, getting rid, like doing more with less. But if you're actually doing more with less, are you ending up spending more because there are more gaps and there's more inefficiency versus efficiencies? So that's, that's another way that I like to think about it because um, we could even see the pandemic had an effect on lean because a lot of organizations reduced their headcount drastically and now they're scrambling to hire people. And now what are they running against, Bella? The great resignation. Right. Right, right. So people want to work for an organization where their voice is heard, where they can see their impact. And that's where actually lean can really help you with that, because in a lean organization, everybody's voice is heard and people can really make an impact because they can fix things. They can fix the things that affect them the most closely. So, um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people laid off their lean teams. And now I got to tell you, there's a scramble for people who know how to do this. Absolutely. And as we wind down, Bella, I want you to leave our listeners as well as our viewers with your call to action for this segment. My call to action for this segment is, hey, be a scientist. Check your assumptions, turn them to a hypothesis, and run some experiments. Beautifully said. And now, how can they connect with you via your website, and where do you primarily hang out on social media? On social media, I'm primarily on LinkedIn. My website is leanforhumans.com. Thank you so much. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I am your host and founder, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. Make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We are found on 40 plus platforms. You could also look at the video content over at YouTube, which is at gems with genesis amaris kemp and lastly but not least we definitely appreciate your support day in and day out listening to this podcast and supporting our endeavors so we are looking for more brand ambassadors and sponsors so you could contribute a monetary donation or maybe a reoccurring um, donation by going to genesisamariskemp.net where you will find out that we are ranked in the top three percent globally per www.listennotes.com. So until next time, go out and be a scientist, as Bella says. What are your assumptions? And do you need to X out those assumptions and start making those hypotheses so you can really tap into your inner creativity and not really about those myths. We're here to bust those myths. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. And until next time, go out and be great. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor So please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.